Hello, this is Alora Chestikoff from Firebird Summit, and welcome to the current episode of Grow or Die with me and Lawrence Henderson, taking on business, personal development, professional development, and career and leadership topics that come up and trying to see if we can have a great conversation. Each episode is released on a weekly basis, and we welcome you to join us in real time. Find the information on our site. Welcome to the conversation. Alrighty, hello, hello. Welcome to this week's episode of Grow or Die. I am Alora Chestikoff from Firebird Summit. And I am Lawrence Henderson from Boss. Hey, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. So glad, glad, glad the Connecting the Dots event is uh, behind us, super successful and still receiving feedback. So thank you, thank you, thank you for all your support in that. Well, awesome. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad you're getting some some input. Any any big surprises so far? Any any big insights that we want to keep in mind going forward? Um, just that people have an appetite for authentic leaders and speakers to continue to share um, and really plug in uh, holes where a lot of people have had questions in this time but understanding that these are actually things that people need some sustainment um, discussion around moving forward. So it was a real big thing. Well, that's awesome. And actually that leads pretty directly to what I want to pick for today's topic. All right. So today I want to talk about asking for help. Ah. You know, it's one of those things that, um, you know, like very, very action oriented or very, you know, accomplished people don't frequently don't like to do. Yeah. Um, but it's something that everybody needs to learn how to get better at. So, so everything from, you know, why is it hard? What does it mean to do it? How do you do it? How do you get over, you know, your reluctance to do it? Yeah. So we can start where you like. So asking yeah. for help. What do you think? So I am a bit of an anomaly as it pertains to asking for help because um, early on and often I'm I'm a I'm the sixth child of seven. And so I've always been around a team of people. And oddly enough, I was the one that always was the connector and the cheerleader and collaborator. Um, But I had siblings who decided to be islands of excellence and pulled themselves away. And um, and in that, it led me to my chosen path right after college into the military as an officer and and even in basic training. One of the things that we always got assigned to us was a battle buddy. So this battle buddy was somebody that regardless if you're feeling up, you're feeling down, whatever, you always would have this person with you. And so I've always had this um, affinity for partnership, for team, to not do life alone. But it it wasn't until I transitioned out of the military and I looked around and I no longer had assigned teammates that I was like, oh, I really don't have a village. And I was starving for it. But it wasn't easily attained because for me, I love hard. I love quick. I love fast. I friend hard the same way. Um, And so what had to happen for me were 
really to test it out and prove it out for people. Um, and if I could be honest, um, finding friends is scary. Um, and the vulnerability, and again, understanding today, vulnerability is courage and strength to release yourself to be totally vulnerable with people and to ask for help means that you have to give up pride that they're going to do something malicious with it. And I think that comes from a place of hurt, uh, right? Then I always say hurt people hurt people. Um, and so people's experiences in life and different things like that um, can play a big role in why people don't ask for help. One, and then there's this thing in the back of our heads, I don't know where it comes from, Alora, that for some reason, if I have to ask for help, uh, particularly on men, um, I'm weak for some reason. Like I, I'm needy or I'm like, why would you do that? Like you, again, like why, why do we go there is, and I think you always talk about the neuropsych psychology of it all is, man, you literally send yourself into this head space of negativity and people are going to start judging you and they're going to think less of you with no actual narrative like in, and again in some cases you've had people that said bad things to you in the past don't ask me for help don't ask me when you need anything but for me i never had an experience with anybody telling me no or doing that to me you know, it's interesting though, when, when you just mentioned, you touched on something else that actually yeah. is a huge thing for me, which is actually gender norms, right? Yeah. And the gender norm factor. And it's, it's funny to me because um, what you just said about men, especially being conditioned not to ask for, it's, it's the old joke about, you know, God will be lost yeah. for hours and never ask for yeah. directions, right? Yeah. Well, and it's so funny because I know plenty of both men and women who have never personally had like what they could identify as a traumatizing experience mm -hmm. around gender norms, but that doesn't stop us from kind of complying to a lot of them and, yeah. and taking and, and having to hit a point where we realize we're doing it. Cause a lot of it's so unconscious cause we're taught from really young ages and it's very institutionally kind of baked yep. into how we're raised. And so, you know, like there are so many things I look at my parents who, you know, we're not really big gender norms themselves mm -hmm. in so many ways, but they still manage to perpetuate stuff that not, yeah. neither one of them were conscious of. And, and, you know, and in some cases it's really um, clear to me now when I look at it, that, you know, my dad is Russian and he was born in China and he was raised in Latin America before he came to the United States. So like he came from like male dominated culture, male dominated culture, male dominated culture. So my dad took, a, it took a long time for him to start unraveling some of that. Yeah. Um, you know, the irony was it was actually my mom dying and him suddenly finding himself the single father of two teenage daughters that actually kind of broke a lot of his gender norms open. Yeah. But, you know, I was already 14 by the time that process really began. And yeah. so in hindsight, I can look back and I can see that there were so many things that I complied with, or I shouldn't say I necessarily complied with them from like a, um, an acquiescence in behavior perspective, but from a, a sort of acknowledgement of the definition. So in my case, one of the things that I struggle with when it comes to gender norms is that kind of being very um, aware of the idea that, well, boys do this and girls do this. Um, 
I'm going to be tougher than everybody. So I'm always going to go with what the boys want. So I'm all, I'm actually very like inverted in a lot of gender norms. You know, you've commented a lot about how a lot of times, you know, the way I carry myself is very, um, comfortable for men. Uh, it's yeah. one of the reasons, you know, I have so many, so many close male friends because I kind of am one of the boys. Like it's not, it's, but a lot of that has, but I, when I look back, I realize that some of it's that. And so one of the things that I really developed a lot of difficulty with is asking for help. I kind of suck wow. at it. And it's really, yeah. it's been one of those things that as I've been trying to sort of tease out some of my own, you know, fundamentals around leadership and some mm. of my own things. And another one that you mentioned, it's a huge deal for me is making friends is super hard as an adult, especially if you work from home or if you work virtually, like, you know, as adults, I think a lot of us kind of rely on work the same yeah. way we did as, you know, relied on school when we were younger as kind of the place where we got that kind of social interaction. But a lot of times, especially once you get maybe past the age of 30, all of a sudden your colleagues are mostly married and they might have kids and, you know, they're not going to go out after work or necessarily, or they're not going to go out and do stuff on, on the weekends. I think that's easier to find in work environments, like when you're in your twenties before people are kind of married, but you know, at some point people kind of ease into like family domestic stuff. And then, then their actual external social interaction gets yeah. you know, more and more limited. And so I think when, when I think about what you just said about that vulnerability that comes mm -hmm. from asking for help, um, there's so many psychological studies that show that that's actually a really helpful way to make friends. And it's a really important quality in leaders. And so for me, it's a really funny kind of like spoke that touches everything that is important to us, especially, especially once we get past a point in our lives where we can yeah. just assume that the institutions or the people around us are going to, you know, just throw friends in our path and we're just going to meet people here. You know, like when we, ha when we, once we sort of recognize that we yeah. have to own, you know, managing that process and that it's not going to be automatic. We have to actually work at it, which I think is the other challenge about making friends as an adult, yeah. right? Because as kids, it just kind of happens most yeah. of the time. You don't think Playground stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, or it's, or it's, you know, your, 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 one of your siblings has, you know, a best friend exactly. whose older sibling is the same age as you. And all of a sudden, yep. you know, and like, there's so much context that sort of just throws people to, and to be yeah. sure, a lot of times, you know, you find yourself thrown together with people that you wouldn't choose, but it doesn't, I don't think as a kid, you think about it being work. As an adult, exactly. I know so many people who have been like, God, this is really hard. I don't even know where to start. Yeah. So the funny part is, is to your point about where to start, um, as I began to be honest, with myself around why it was scary for me is because and, and crazy enough um in conversation with my wife she was like you need some friends and you need to stop friending so hard because she was like check your expectations that you have for people and i was like man i was like golly what is that check my expectations she was like you're literally like you are holding people hostage to an idea of a friend that only a couple people on the planet currently can stand up to. And she was like, what, what do you need from people? And are you allowing them to be that for you? And I'm looking at her like, I'm the leadership coach. Don't, don't talk Dude, to your wife just nailed you on that, man. Know, that, right? was, that was fantastic. Those were great golden, questions. Yeah. Right? And, it, and it was golden because I really started like, what do I expect from my friends? And when is the last time I've actually 
told somebody what I do expect from a relationship. Well, and not only that, but part of, and this is where, this is where having a partner, especially one who, who you trust is like amazing. Cause they see stuff like yeah. that and you're like, damn, I didn't even notice that. <laughs> um, because the other thing is too, is that there were, there's probably a lot of cases that she called out that you yeah. hadn't necessarily recognized that that's what you were doing. Yeah. And all of a sudden it's like, well, geez. Okay. So yeah, I should articulate yeah. what I'm looking for, but that's probably also a pretty big expectation to just, yeah. you know, hurl on someone as soon as we yep. meet. Man. And, and what, what it was causing for me, it was actually one-sided where I was so frustrated with people that I was like, three strikes, you're out. Like, <laughs> you, you wronged, like, you, I text you, I've given you, sown into you so much energy, and you, how dare you not reciprocate with a callback? Like, we're all in traffic right now. You call me back. You're not going anywhere. You're in traffic, right? And, and the crazy part about it was light attracts light and I got clear on what I needed and I began to speak that language out loud and what began to happen was this beautiful thing of people who weren't supposed to be there filtered themselves and the people who were wanting to be in my life or find other like people they began to arise and cream rise to the the top and I think about connecting the dots and the speakers. And two years ago, if you would have told me I would have met Alora Chestikov, I'd have been like, who? <laughs> like, what's her background? And why would I even yeah. interact with her? Why, why would that even make sense? Like, yeah, that, like if from the world I'm coming from, that makes zero sense whatsoever. But now it's like today, it's like, how was I not, how was I surviving without her like and just her wittiness and just sharpness about business and just coaching and like and now I'm just like man she she's gonna have to get rid of me like, <laughs> just, <laughs> like first person I'm doing podcasts with like I had podcasts for over a year in my head and just couldn't get it off and then a conversation with you and just pushing and I'd say light attracts light and asking for help from people that you know like I know without a shadow of a doubt if I ask you anything there's zero judgment. You're literally not going to expect anything from me. And you never said that to me. I just know it in my heart. Right. And it's just like, I, she's not going to ask for nothing. And it's just like, that's why I owe you to be a good person, like to well, be respectful. But the thing is too, is that that's how you show up with me. So it's not like it's, you know, and I think that's, so again, oh man, we've gone a couple episodes without making Brene Brown references, but you know, this is one of the things that she talks about that I love when she has, she's an example, she calls it floodlighting. When you try to, when you try to overly bond with somebody to like, you know, when you meet somebody and you're like, oh man, we're going to be like BFFs. And, yeah. and then, and then you overly share and you like freak them out and bolt and they bolt. Exactly. Whereas she talks about, you know, really there's, you know, the, her marble jar metaphor where you, it's, it's incremental, right? You have to, yeah. you have to add it in. And I think that's, and to be fair, I think you and I are a great example of that, right? We met almost two years ago. It took until the last several months for us to actually kind of, you know, both of us be back in a place where it started to make sense and we started to fit things together. Um, you know, I think we, I remember meeting you in the moment. I remember you were like super organized in class. You were like collecting everybody's information to pull together a roster so everybody could stay in touch. Yeah. I'm like, and you remember actually, it's funny because now that I think about it, my first thought was, 
I'm so freaking glad he's here doing that because if he wasn't, it would be me doing that. Nice. <laughs> nice. But it was just, you know, but the thing was, is that it, you know, you can't just like always jump into the deep end of the pool. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, sometimes you can do that. And sometimes that happens. But, yeah. you know, I think to your wife's point, like sometimes you just have to stop and say, okay, what am I actually expecting of someone? Yeah. And I think this is where, you know, back to my original question is asking for help, right? Like yeah. for one of the things that, um, that became really, um, evident to me mm -hmm. about, started, it started becoming clear about eight years ago, but it really got super clear to me about three years ago is that the more my staff kind of saw me as superwoman, the less they were comfortable bringing things to me. And so for me, what, what really became clear over time was that, and it, it wasn't just asking for help. It was, you know, like I was at one point I was like working like 19 hours a day. Like, I mean, you know, there were, there were a lot of different things that went into it, but the more I kind of like propped up this wonder woman kind of, you know, persona that I was living up to the farther I removed myself from them and they needed me closer than that. And so part of what I had to learn to do, well, there were a number of things, but one of the things that I really had to learn to do was to be more clear about articulating when I needed their help with something. And when I was just, you know, asking them to, to step up and take, take something on, um, you know, a lot of control freaks are, you know, have problems delegating and I never really had a problem yeah. delegating. I'm actually pretty good at it, but I had to change the conversation. So it wasn't just, Hey, I know you can handle this, take care, you know, here you go, go run with it. It was more, okay, listen, I don't have the bandwidth for everything. These, I have to prioritize and I'm heading for the airport. So can you do me a favor? Let's, the three of you sit down. These are, you know, four or five different things I need taken care of this week while I'm gone. Can you guys take a look at this, figure out how you want to divide it up and then let me know. I trust you to take care of this and I need your help. And wow. as soon as I changed that dialogue, it mm -hmm. actually really changed it. I mean, they were, you know, I could still have parsed it out to everybody. Yeah. But it was a much, it helped me get closer to my team in so yeah. many ways that I hadn't really realized. I had, I had distanced myself yeah. from them by always being the one with the answers or the one wow. who take care of stuff. So, so what comes up for me, the, the leader in me, and the one thing that I, I'm so glad I latched on to was that ability to always have a next man, next woman up mentality. Um, a next teammate to step up in the event I go down. And what I just heard from you and what really super resonated with me is there's a level of empowerment with you allowing people to be there for you. And again, that empowerment, that strength, that you build capability, you build out capacity when you ask for help. That was the one thing that I had to like wrap my head around. I was like, well, I know I could do it and I could do it faster. I could do it. Yes, because you have all the knowledge, but then how are you going to develop a skill set? How are they going to, how are you going to build people up? And, and I, I just had to change, like you said, change the narrative and change the wording that I was using that it wasn't me asking for help. It was like, who else can I empower to be there for me, right? Who else can I empower to let them know how I need support? Who else can I empower to let them know how I, I want to be loved and cared for as a friend? And, and again, you call it what you want. I've had to change narratives and I had to reframe. We talked about reframing. And just the way that I saw asking for help, it's the other person on the other end that you're asking, 
they actually like, well, I've been waiting. Yes. Like I've been building up this capacity this whole time. Like I've been waiting. Well, and that's, I think that's the thing that we forget too, right? I mean, some, sometimes, especially, you know, and I think now is a good time to, mm -hmm. to keep it in mind, right? Because there are so many people who are feeling stuck or who are maybe literally are kind of, you know, stuck, right? You're stuck. You have, how many, how many of us know, you know, parents who are stuck trying to deal with kids at home. Everybody's like sitting on top of each other. And like, yeah. I have, you know, I have, I have friends who are parents who are, you know, either they're ready to become alcoholics or they're about to start killing people in their house because they're losing their mind and they just feel like they're going crazy. Yeah. Um, and so in some ways I feel like, you know, kind of this like zombie apocalypse that we're in is, is actually almost um, a great way to grant yourself permission to ask help. There you go. Because this is so like, this is such an extreme situation that like people who in the past would never have thought to ask for help, have no choice yeah. in many respects. So it almost kind of opens up, opens the gates, right? Like you kind of get this opportunity to be like, all right, this is such a weird situation. None of us mm -hmm. ever like, we didn't, I mean, nobody's contingency plans, you know, <laughs> really, <laughs> except for the possible CDC, which is even as debatable, right? Nobody, nobody has a contingency plan for what happens, you know, when we end up in a, you know, global, global recession because of a pandemic. I'm like, who the hell even thinks of that? Um, and so I think from that perspective, looking at the context and being like, okay, you know what, now is actually a good time for me to find small ways to ask for help and to ask people to help them out. But I think the flip side of that is so many times, especially if we're feeling trapped or disempowered is that we want to be able to help other people. And so yeah. we know, you know what it feels like when you know that, you know, somebody needs help and you can do it. Like, then you're like, damn, that felt good. Like I might not have gotten anything else done yeah. today that might've, you know, and that wasn't on my list, but God, I felt useful finally. And, and yep. to be able to, that's kind of a really, I think people underestimate how much of a gift that can be to allow someone to do that for you. Um, especially when you're feeling like you're just a hamster in a wheel with no chance of, of escaping anytime soon. Yeah. So, so I did a, a post yesterday when talking about community and talking about your village um, and, it, and it takes a village to, to raise, you know, the proverb is a child. But I think in this moment, we're really seeing what type of village we really need and want in our lives to help us navigate through. And that's, that's really what this is about, is about community at the end of the day. And you talk about asking for help. And I think about my parents and, you know, my, my mom grew up with 11 brothers and sisters and, you know, her father had 14 brothers and sisters and to watch and be a part of that, to watch them with each other and just give. Yeah. And nobody say like, this is alone. This is, it was just, it was just help. And it was just community. And it was just, and it was like, I'm trying to figure out when did we go on these solo tours that I'm Superman and Superwoman and I could do it. And it's just like, when did it shift? And now that we're in this COVID season, it's shifting back, which I love. Is, is that we're going back to community. Like you said, all right, I need to go for about an hour because I've been around y'all too long. And my, my wife's sister came over yesterday with my little nephew that we haven't seen in weeks. And he has two teeth now. Um, and he's like, oh my God, my nephew. Um, but it was just that community. And it was not anything else, but I need your energy. Mm -hmm. I need to be around you. I just need you 
to like feel okay, yeah. right? And I think ultimately when I need help is you finally given a given given over something to say, I need I need your support to help me feel whole, right? Like that to me, that's what I I need help means is I can't do it anymore, and I need you, right? And I think when you talk about why don't people do it, it's because they've lived lives that I shouldn't have to need anybody or I shouldn't have to depend on anybody. And again, for me, where, wherever that hurt comes from, whatever, wherever that gremlin or that blind spot is, is was developed and created, um, there has to be some, some reshaping and some reforming. Um, because again, if doing life alone, we're doing it wrong. Um, and we need to really, really build out, um, cause I need people. I need, I really do need people. Um, so Alora, man, I, that's a man, crazy time. Like what is, what has happened today? Time yeah, flew by. We, we, we circled through, <laughs> I know we circled through a whole big, but I, one thing you mentioned that is really interesting and, and we, it's definitely well beyond this topic. And I, I'm curious to come back to it another time. Yeah. Is, you know, um, so I'm a humongous, humongous history buff. And I've been like super like deep diving into like early us not early but like post post civil war history up through world war ii and okay. one of the things that um keeps coming up it touches on what you just said right when we look at this sort of generational difference and you know i it's, I, I hate the whole like millennial boomer bleh, crap like that makes me crazy um you know well and you know being smack in the middle of gen x there's a little bit yeah. of like a jan brady syndrome it's like smacking martian smacking cindy and be like <laughs> Um, but, but the truth is, you know, for me, one of the things that, that I see is something you just commented on, right. Is that a lot of us, you know, my grandparents on both sides, big humongous families, my parents were both only children. Um, but like their, their parents on, you know, all the way across were from huge, huge families. And that sense of community, I think was baked in, in a very different way as a result. Um, you know, and in some cases, you know, like my dad's family, they were all refugees. So they went from country to country to country to country together, like as a group, yeah. for the most part, you know, they started dwindling over time. But, um, you know, my, my, on the American side of my family, you know, they did post World War II start, start fragmenting where they lived because they were searching for jobs and things like that. But what was still interesting is when I look at like my grandmother, who's 88, she still gets on the phone with her baby brother, who's halfway across the country, nice. at least two or three times a week. And they're still like that commute, like they're, and they're the only ones left. They're it, you know, and that's kind of all, but that community still exists really strongly for them in a way that I think is, is a generational thing that doesn't, we don't necessarily see in the same way. And in large part, I think, because we don't tend to see families that size anymore. Um, I think there's a certain amount of, um, being part of sort of being part of a team that you mentioned, right. From being six out of seven, right. Like you, you're just kind of born into this like oversized basketball team. Like you just, exactly. you know, exactly. and it's your, and, and, and whether you like it or not, you know, cause you're, you're the tail end of that particular dream. Exactly. So you just show up and they're already there. Whereas, you know, it, and I think there are a lot of things that, um, that you learn and that you learn to share. You learn that you get, you wear hand-me-downs and you learn how to, you know, everybody plays in the sandbox and you learn that when one of them smacks you upside the head and you go screaming to mom, another one's going to kick you in the butt. Like, so, like there's all kinds of like really interesting and important social dynamics that I think yeah. we learn um, that I don't 
think we're experiencing the same way because so many of us come from such smaller families and or have moved away from you know where our our family of birth our family of origin is now and so we've we've removed ourselves from some of that and so i think some of that community thing is 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 exacerbated by some of the generational realities that you know yeah. those of us from like the 70s on start kind of experience um but i'm interested i'll be curious to see how some of um some of those things yeah. after we've been forced into such isolation and so many you know you and i are both extroverts so of course we're going crazy being trapped at home because like oh that's just, i mean extroverts are like in agony right now yeah. but the thing is is that even the, a lot of the introverts are too like you know even yeah. the introverts are like oh my God, I can't take any more of this, you know? And so I think that's where it starts getting even more interesting is where when the people who would always, so many introverts would say to me, oh my God, you work from home. You're so lucky. I would love to be able to do that. And I was always like, you can keep it, man. I don't want anything to do with that. It was, it, that's a punish. It's like a jail sentence for me. I would never pick that. Um, but the thing is, is that now even they're back to, oh my God, I need to feel connected to people. I need to find that, you know. It's funny. It's, it's that asking, asking for it. How do you articulate what it is that you need and how do you ask yeah. that help from other people? Yeah, I think it, it um, and I think we have a skill set now as coaches um, by asking, we, we are literally probing for our end. Um, and, and I, I'm always coaching at ABCs, always be coaching. Um, and I'm always asking how, and I'm looking for a way, right. And particularly when I'm trying to grow my network and I'm trying to grow, um, my circle, um, because I have my eye on people, I'm observing people's lifestyles and I'm observing how they, they move and, and who they interact with. And I think asking thoughtful, intentional questions is a way for you to figure out who you can ask for help. Um, because it's one thing to be vulnerable, uh, but then there's also some wisdom in being vulnerable, right? And understanding who you can be vulnerable with. Um, because again, it's just saying I need help with someone you have observed can't even help themselves. Um, it's probably not a good person to ask for help from, right? And and you just, you know, when I said light, you know, darkness also attracts darkness, right? It's just yeah. misery loves company, right? And it's so... So being careful and being thoughtful when you ask for help, um, but always be coaching, right? And, and always connecting from, for me, I coach and ask questions for my values and that's kind of the launching pad for everything. Um, and I've been fortunate, so fortunate in this season to have people that again, because I was observing, because I was being authentically me, have just reached out and just say, hey man, I, and again, the extrovert in me, I'm not that everyday guy. I'm not the guy that needs somebody to check in on me every day, but it's so timely, the people who are checking in on me. Mm -hmm. Hey man, just just wanted to send you a check in the text, just see how you're doing. And I'm just like, you don't know how on time that was. Like it was just, but that, those are the people that I've surrounded myself with now. Yeah, well, and that's it. But like, I think that gets back to your original point, which I think is probably the perfect way for us to wrap this, right? Is that- yeah as you learn who you're comfortable asking for help and who you trust to be able to do that, um, that, that your, your social circle kind of shakes itself out into yeah. that, that permutation. And that's, that's who sticks around. Yeah. Beautiful. So it is. All righty. Well, any last thoughts? 
Um, last thoughts are, I know you have an event and some other stuff coming up, don't you? Um, I have the social hour. Oh, 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 uh, yeah, maybe I haven't decided yet, but yes, I'm trying, okay. to, I'm trying to, I'm trying to do some, some social stuff because I'm losing <laughs> my mind being trapped at home because I am an extrovert who's going crazy. So, um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's more, I think finding ways to yeah. connect and, to, you know, to get people together that, that just, you know, want to have, have a conversation. And again, you know, as someone who bounces around a lot and travels a lot and everything like that, you know, I think for me, maybe the one advantage is that, you know, I used to try to do like virtual social hours with people, you know, and my friends who work from home or who are in California or who are in New York or who are in Texas would be like, well, let's just get together for drinks. I'm like, I'm not in town. Like I'm, you know, I'm, I got on an airplane and I'm stuck, you know, two time zones away. Um, and so now it's like, you know what? I get virtual happy hours now with whoever, you know, happens to be available, but it's yeah. still, it's still back to that, you know, okay, what's like, where's my, where's my social circle? I need the extrovert in me needs a little more interaction. Yeah. Yeah. But no, that's, uh, yeah, whatever you have going on, I want to be a part of it. So yeah, I've seen, seen the invite and I'm, I'm ready for it. Always, always. Well, thank you very much, my pal. And I will talk to you next week. All right. See you later. Alrighty, bye bye. Bye bye. Thank you for joining me and Lawrence in this week's episode of Grow or Die. Tune in next week where we take on our next topic. Have a great week.